0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Two Strike Noise, your weekly baseball history podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Jeff, joining me as always from our remote studio in an undisclosed location in Tacoma, Washington. It is my co-host Mark A. Johnston, did I just give it away? You just disclosed my undisclosed location. <laughs> Shoot. Well, we're recording this. We're recording this show a couple of weeks ahead because of the holidays, so I'm not worried. I think you'll be able to exit the, the studio in time.
1: Yeah, I got to hit the North Pole now, though. Oh well, I like going up there.
0: <laughs> well, uh, welcome back, everybody. I hope everybody uh, here in the states had a nice. Uh, Thanksgiving holiday I hope everybody is doing well and is healthy and safe we have got a a special edition for you as I said we're we're recording this a couple weeks ahead of time just because we want to have a little bit of time off around holidays and we learned from last year that It's people don't like it when you take a week off for the holidays. Yeah. Yeah. That was not a popular move. No, we're going (laughs) to we're going to power through and we're going to we're going to get you this show. So uh, I hope you sit around your Thanksgiving table. I'm thankful for two strike noise. I'm sure you did. But uh, we have got a uh, we've got a Tales from the Dugout episode this week, which is always fun for us because they're just we'd like to do little shorter stories as opposed to one long story each or an interview. It's just shorter stories that are fun, but might not warrant an entire show to discuss. So I'm going to just give you—I'm just going to give you a couple of quick things here in batting practice, Mark. And then we'll get to trivia, and then we'll get on to it. First of all, have you heard of Lamar Johnson? I don't think so. So Lamar Johnson played for the Chicago White Sox mainly. He spent one year with the Rangers in the last year's career. He had played for eight years with the White Sox, 74 through 81. And Lamar Johnson had quite a day on June 19th, 1977. My Oakland A's were in town. Johnson sang the national anthem before the game. This is a doubleheader. And he hmm. sang the anthem before the first game. And he followed it up with two home runs and a double in the, in the first game. <laughs> Nice. Those were the only the day. Yeah, those were the only three White Sox hits of the game. And <laughs> that was it. And the White Sox won two to one. <laughs> Even better. Yeah, he sang the anthem, got the only three hits for the team, two of which were homers, and drove in the only two runs to win the game for him. So pretty impressive. In uh, that's, 1989, that's Johnson played for the St. Petersburg Pelicans of the Senior Professional Baseball Association, which we've Covered before. Awesome. He hit 372 in 25 games with the club. And he played in the championship game against the West Palm Beach Tropics. He hit a home run and drove in three runs, did not sing the anthem, uh, to lead the Pelicans to the title. And he was named the Star of Stars, which was the name given to the MVP of that championship game. Nice. Lamar Johnson. Next uh, this is just a little quick thing Jamie Moyer. so he played a long time, right? Oh he did. Yeah. So in the final game that Jamie Moyer played in his career, he was playing for the Rockies and they were playing the Phillies. The Phillies were wearing throwback uniforms in this game. Uh-huh. The throwback uniforms they were wearing was from the first year that Jamie Moyer was in the league. From 1986.
1: (laughs) A throwback. He's he's looking at this going, how's this a throwback?
0: (laughs) (laughs) So they were wearing the Phillies uniforms that he would have faced as a member of the Cubs in his rookie year in 1986. Same uniforms. Yeah, exactly. He's going, these aren't throwbacks. I remember these. (laughs) That's great. That's what happens when you pitch for 25 years in the big leagues. Yes yes this is true Jeez. <laughs> oh i thought that was that was funny all right That's so cool. let, let's just get right into trivia because we, we've got uh, we've got tales from the dugout here and then we've got wax packs heroes so we've got plenty to fill up our time with with you here this week the trivia question i asked you last week was who is the last yankee to wear number three and you were able to tell me who the first and most famous number three was. Yes. For the Yankees. But the last one to wear number three, who was it?
1: Yeah, I uh, I don't really have a guess. I was just going to do a shout out to one of my favorite comedians, Fozzie Bear. <laughs> That's w- all I got.
0: Yes. Or, or Fozzie, the, the band that has uh, wrestled with no, Chris band. Jericho singing. No. Yes. Formerly Fozzie Osborne. Oh, did, is he not Is he not the lead anymore? So they changed their name or what's going on there?
1: No, no. They were Fozzie Osborne for at first and then they had to change it.
0: Oh. <laughs> the Prince of Darkness <laughs> is like new. new. Yeah, he was in a dark mood. Yeah. So uh, last last question to where number and as I said, again, we were recording this a couple of weeks ahead. I'm sure several people sent us answers and I'm sure you're correct. So I'm just going to I'm going to just be silent for a minute. You can just say your name if you send in an answer, and uh, we'll say, "Hey, congratulations, too!" All right, good job, guys. Great job. Good job, team. So the answer is is Cliff Mapes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and oh, Cliff. I'm assuming I say that M A P E S. He might be French. It might be Cliff Mape. I'm going to go with <laughs> Mapes though. <laughs> we're americans man just go with mapes mapes so he wore number three for the yankees in 1948 huh. so they hadn't retired the number no and that was his rookie his rookie year he had two numbers he had and this is my this is what my thoughts are is he came up and they gave him number three without thinking about it and then they're like oh hold up <laughs> that's that's kind of <laughs> yeah. an important number here, have a future A-Rod number. And he wore number 13 for the Yankees the rest of that year. That's my, what I say happened. There you go.
1: There you go. You're probably right. Yeah. I mean,
0: it seems obvious. Yeah. So it, Mapes was an outfielder for the Yankees, nicknamed Tiger. He was on two World Series teams, the 49 and the 50, when they when they beat the Dodgers and the Phillies. Or no, yeah, that's the the Phillies, not the A's at that point. So he's got a couple of rings, played for five years, But Cliff Mapes was your last New York Yankee to wear the number three. All right, so I got a new new question for you to think about here. Who is the only player to be named an all-star while being a member of both the Expos and the Blue Jays? So there's only one player that was ever an all-star representing one year, the Expos, and another time, the Blue Jays. Who was it?
1: That's a good one. I like this one.
0: And we are talking expos. We are not talking nationals. So, you know, you can't go that far. I'm looking for they represented both Canadian teams in the all-star game.
1: So that's tough, man.
0: Yeah, I think this will I think this is a good one. I think, you know, people can get it. You're gonna yeah. people that want to research it can get this one, but it's gonna be it's gonna be a little bit of work. All right, so we're going to wrap up our BP segment with that trivia question. We're going to uh, let the grounds crew come out and do their thing. A little bit of extra work because it's getting cold now, and the grass is starting to turn from green to, to brown. So they're really working yeah. hard out there.
1: It doesn't taste as good either.
0: <laughs> don't eat the grass. How many times do I have to tell you this? Seriously? Yeah, don't do it. Uh, I keep forgetting. They fertilize that, and that's not good.
1: So, oh, that's what the tangy flavor is.
0: <laughs> let's, let's get into our Tales from the Dugout segment. This is where we've got some just shorter baseball stories. You know we like to do kind of goofy stuff here and talk about some of the oddities with baseball. So I wanted to take this in kind of a different direction. And I wanted to talk about one of, uh, honestly, one of my favorite performers. The first concert I ever saw in person and the best, I think, holiday album ever put out. Even though he is Jewish, I want to talk about Neil Diamond.
1: Oh, Cracklin' Rose. Yeah. Okay. Cool. That's interesting. <laughs> let's let's see how you got Neil Diamond in the baseball world.
0: <laughs> so Neil Diamond. First of all, that is his real name. I thought Diamond might have been a stage name, but that yeah. is his real last name. Neil Diamond was fourteen in 1955. Living in, in Brooklyn, New York, and the Brooklyn Dodgers, his Brooklyn Dodgers, had just beat the Yankees four games to three in the World Series. A young Mr. Diamond took to the streets to celebrate the World Series victory of his boys, them bums, and uh, not, not a care in the world. He loved it. Big, big Dodgers fan. Well, we know what happened three years later. The Dodgers packed up, and they headed west to Los Angeles. Apparently, young Neil was devastated and went into a bit of a depression. And his parents, worried about his state of mind, tried to cheer him up by buying him a guitar, his very first guitar. Wow. And that sent him on the path of becoming a singer, songwriter, musician. Uh, Diamond's biggest hit probably, arguably, is Sweet Caroline. Which whoa, whoa, whoa. has become a big part of sports, but it, I think it—I think baseball is where "Sweet Caroline" started to be a kind of an arena song.
1: Yeah, it's, specifically um, Fenway.
0: Yep, the Red Sox in 1997. An employee in the uh, in-house production room. So this is where the kind of place that, that Mark and I work. It's the, the room where you are producing the show for the people in the stands. So you're the PA announcer, the music in, in venue and the the diamond vision, the, the big screens, all those, an employee in there played that in honor of a friend who had just had a baby girl who was named Caroline. Oh, wow. They were in the stands. So they played that to honor them. Well, the Red Sox won that game over the next couple of years. They would play the song sparingly, They would only play it between the 7th and the ninth innings when the Red Sox were winning. So they didn't want to, if, if the mood was dour, they did not want to play Sweet Caroline. The crowd, though, they loved it whenever they would play this. As you know, whenever you go to a sporting event, they play Sweet Caroline. Everybody, it's like that and Living on a Prayer by Bon Jovi. It's yeah. generally like the, the whoever is up there running audio will will bring the audio down in certain points of the song so that the crowd just sings it all by themselves.
1: Yep. whoa, just like that.
0: Yeah. Well, now we gotta pay. Now we gotta pay for that because you sang long no. enough of that song.
1: It was only two notes, man.
0: <laughs> uh, well, eventually, it was thought that this song lifted the fan spirits regardless of the score, so they moved it to a permanent spot in the bottom of the eighth inning where it's still played today.
1: Yep. My my one trip to Fenway, I, I did get to enjoy the, uh, the Sweet Carolina well, That was great.
0: You endured. You didn't probably enjoy <laughs> it as much. But...
1: I did enjoy it. I did. It was uh, It was kind of fun.
0: You remember the horrific bombings in Boston during the Boston Marathon. Of course. Well, the Red Sox, when they resumed play, Neil Diamond showed up unannounced, bought a ticket. Comes into the (laughs) stands 30 minutes before the game. He calls a contact with the Sox and he says, Hey, I'm here. Do you want me to sing sweet Caroline live in the, in the bottom (laughs) of the eighth inning? And there, I mean, you don't say no. If Mr. Diamond shows up. (laughs) Absolutely. So the Sox didn't have a version of the song without lyrics to play. (laughs) So, so Uh Neil sung over his own voice, but it didn't matter. That was the, I think that was the game where uh, Big Poppy dropped the F bomb during his comments <laughs> at the beginning of the game and you know oh, it was yes. Boston strong. You know, it was a big it was a big deal, uh, you know, as it should have been. Yeah. That's cool, man. So remember a long time ago, many, 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 many episodes ago, I talked about the, the Rooters led by Nuff said McCready, who would travel with the Boston, early Boston teams. Uh, in the early 1900s and they would actually sing songs as the Sox players would come to bat kind of the first walk-up songs they sung live <laughs> well the franchise loves music so much that they actually sold of course the greatest player of all time to finance a musical no no nanette which we have also covered yep okay. well there is by the way uh, an actual new musical newer musical about that whole trade it is, oh, wow. it's called Bambino, the musical. I have a copy of it and nice. <laughs> I've read through part of it. I'm thinking maybe we get a, a, either a Patreon or a, a GoFundMe together and we put out a production of it on this show.
1: Shoot, I'm in.
0: Yeah. Well, they heard, everybody heard your singing voice during that Bon Jovi. <laughs> Two notes, man. Rendition. So I'm thinking. That I'm I good. do those notes great. Yes, they're very good. But they're, both of them. There, uh, there you go. I just wanted to, I, I am a, I don't know why I stand Neil Diamond. So, well, I do know because he's he's really good. And he's written a lot of songs that other people have sung that have been big hits as well. But I love Neil Diamond. I am not ashamed to admit it. But he also might not have been Neil Diamond if it were not for the Brooklyn Dodgers and their Manifest Destiny.
1: Amazing. Well, I, I was actually reading up a little bit on the 600 Home Run Club. Um, There's only nine of them. And I got to Sammy Sosa and I kind of came across some weird things um, about his career. He is the only player in history with three seasons where he hit at least 60 home runs. Yep. So he hit 66 and 98, 63 and 99 and 64 in 2001. And all three of those years where he hit 60 home runs, he did not lead the league in home runs. (laughs) Which is crazy, um, because the numbers are so insanely high. Um, He did win home run titles with 50 in 2000 and 49 in 02. But the the record of note that I I thought was pretty cool was uh, between 1998 and 2002, Sammy hit 292 home runs, which is the most over any five-year span in history.
0: I think I've mentioned it before. During that whole home run race, I was always Team Sosa. Just because I had yeah. had enough of McGuire in, in Oakland. <laughs> That's funny. Let's go to, you remember Tom Browning? Sure. Red's picture. Yeah. So I, I remember Tom Browning through the first perfect game that I was aware of, you know, that happened when I was following baseball. That was on September 16, 1988 against the Los Angeles Dodgers. And I remember the next year, his scorecard because it was this next, it was eighty nine, and that was the first year of score, wasn't it, or was it eighty eight? I don't remember, but I, eighty eighty nine, I think. I, I think it was 89. No, it was eighty eight, it? I, eighty nine I, I for football. I remember that you know they had a special card about it, and and I remember when it happened. That was the first perfect game since I had started following baseball. Well, Tom uh. Browning, I want to talk about July seventh, nineteen ninety three. So five years. Okay. After he's thrown that perfect game. Tom Browning and, and the Reds were at Wrigley to face the Cubs. Browning was not pitching this day. He's sitting in the dugout to start the game and, and talking to his teammates. And they're looking at fans sitting on the rooftops across the street. You know how they do at Wrigley at the the rooftops. There's bleachers up there. Mm-hmm. Fans can watch games from there. And he had, a, he had a brilliant idea. So he picks up the bullpen phone and calls the visiting clubhouse attendant, which is not what the bullpen phones are for, but he does it anyway. And uh, he, he, you know, tells this guy what he wants to do. And, and he has this plan. The clubhouse attendant happens to know one of the owners of the rooftop buildings. So I you might sense where this is going. So Browning casually <laughs> made his way to the visiting clubhouse in the third inning, put on a black track suit over his uniform. So as not to be recognized he met the clubby outside of the stadium and he took him over to meet the building owner outside. And half an inning later, he made his way to the top of one of these rooftop stands, took off his tracksuit, <laughs> exposing his Reds uniform, and sat on the front railing of the stands with his feet dangling over the edge. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I didn't know Tom Browning was insane. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he doffed his hat and gestured in the direction of the, the Reds dugout eventually uh, getting the attention of teammates who were, as you can guess, very amused teammate, Tim Belcher pointed out Browning to a camera operator in the dugout. And from there he was exposed to the world. There is video on YouTube. I'll, I'll throw it in the links. If you want to see him over there, a woman on the rooftop, asked Browning if he was really a ball player. And he said, yeah, yeah, of course I am. I'm Tom Browning. Thanks for, thanks for knowing I did throw a perfect game, you know, She then asked (laughs) if he wanted a beer and a brat, and he replied, thanks. I think I'm probably already in enough trouble. (laughs) (laughs) So Tom headed back after half inning, and he was indeed in trouble. Manager Davey Johnson chewed him out in the clubhouse after the game and fined him $1,000. Ultimately, though, what Johnson was most mad about was that Browning had left the stadium while wearing his uniform. That was, that was what he was most upset about. <laughs> okay. Well, this is not the only time in his career that Tom left a stadium during a game. Browning's wife went into labor during Game 2 of the 1990 World Series. Browning oh, wow. was not, a, you know, he's a starter. He was not didn't start that game, so he left the stadium to be with his wife at the hospital. Well, that game went into extra innings. <laughs> and... Lou Piniella, manager of the Reds at that point, looks down the bench trying to figure out, you know, okay, we're going to extra innings. What do I want to do? And he realizes that Browning is nowhere to be found. So someone tells him, hey, he went to the hospital. His wife's in labor. So the Reds, the Piniella, gets somebody to call up to the announcers, who at this point would have probably been still probably Vin Scully up there doing the games in 1990 or Al Michaels—that's probably who it was. Al Michaels, I'm guessing—and had them read a statement on the air on radio and TV, asking Browning to return to the ballpark in case he needed to pitch. <laughs> <laughs> this is like when I paged my mom at the library because I had lost line of sight in this like library that's like a hundred feet long, and I lost <laughs> sight, so I ran make an announcement. Well Browning, was like
1: last week, right?
0: Yeah. <laughs> Browning in fact did hear this message in the hospital and elected to stay with his wife. The Reds won hmm. in ten innings and he wasn't needed anyway. <laughs> but well, you know, thought it was kind of funny that you page him over national television during a World Series game.
1: It's different.
0: Yeah, different. Brown, very superstitious guy, did not shave between starts. As a result, he was often photographed with four-day stubble. He also wore red underwear on the days he pitched.
1: (laughs) Okay, he was insane.
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, guys, uh, Jason Giambi wore what uh, like a gold thong for a while. Uh, Aubrey, I'm not even going to say his last name uh, because he's an awful person, uh, wore his wife's uh, underwear during the World Series. Oh god, that's frightening. So yeah, but so I'm wondering. So Tom Browning pitched he pitched for twelve years, eleven of which were with the Reds. His final year he pitched for the Royals. I'm wondering if he wore blue underwear for that one. Or if it's a red. I don't know. Now I need to know though. I'm gonna have to find out, but I just give him a buzz, man. <laughs> well, he owns a bar in Cincinnati and he apparently still tends bar like on Sunday but uh, I'm I'm legit going to see if I can figure out what happened when he, uh, when he was traded.
1: The mystery of the blue underpants.
0: Yeah. I'm going to put that down as a project for this upcoming season of two strike noise. But I thought that I thought that fit right into kind of our, our, uh, our MO here on, on two strike noise.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you know who Joe Sewell is? He's a Hall of Famer. We've talked about him before, yeah. Yeah. Joe
0: Sewell, 14 seasons
1: from 1920 to 1933. Lifetime average of 312. Won a couple World Series. Had 8,332 plate appearances and struck out 114 times. Jeez. (laughs) Is that amazing? That
0: that is like Tony Gwynn-esque.
1: Yeah, he wasn't he wasn't facing, you know, Nolan Ryan and, and Tom Seaver, but still in a break. it's uh, let's see here. Total plate appearances is an otherworldly rate of one point four percent. And for him to reach 200 strikeouts, he would have to have about another eight thousand plate
0: appearances. <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> he struck out about as many times as Greg Maddox walked somebody.
1: That's right. He is uh, the uh, reverse negative of Greg Maddox. I just thought that was pretty impressive. And you know what? Last time, mine are really short, so I hope you don't mind. Last show, we talked a little bit about Babe Ruth. And I thought, what was Babe Ruth's, like, what was his biggest year for records and stuff like that? 1920, it was Babe Ruth's first season with the Yankees. And he hit, like, 376. Had over 500 on base, 8.47 slugging, and 54 home runs, which the record before he hit the 54 home runs was 29, which he said set it, the year before, <laughs> which was his exactly second place that year was 35 less home runs than Babe Ruth. So explain that one. That's just crazy. Um, he just was he was so ahead of his time. By the way, the home runs added up to more than any non-Yankees team in the American League. So the teams couldn't even get to 54 home runs. Pretty amazing.
0: Just to think, though, I mean, if he would have remained a pitcher, he might be in the Hall of Fame as a pitcher as well. It's true. Uh, I know. We we talk to just, you know, when we talk to people that aren't as into baseball as we are, people just think of Babe Ruth as kind of, you know, a, a big guy kind of didn't look like he was in shape at the end yeah. of his career you know he he had kind of put on some pounds but the dude was an athlete i mean he wasn't always yeah, that he was. big he was he was skinnier when he was playing in his 20s but also you just see stuff He he was a good boxer like he was just a good athlete everything he did he did well
1: yeah he even stole a few bases
0: yeah what 123 nice see if he was a big fat guy he wouldn't have done that just look at his look at his baseball reference page though, and half the numbers offensively are in bold, and that means he led the league that year.
1: <laughs> it's all bold. Yeah. Uh, he was he was just so far ahead of his time as far as um, the the power hitting game, just way ahead.
0: Yeah, and then if you look at something called black ink, which is which is one measure of. It's a way of how you can kind of measure somebody's career. Black ink being, okay, how many times did he lead the league in whatever category? The average Hall of Famer's black ink is 27 for a batter. Babe Ruth's was 157, which is the highest ever. (laughs) That's nuts. That's
1: crazy. Yeah. Dude was just a... He was he was uh, legendary, even he was a a legend at the time he
0: was playing. You know, there was no bigger name. It's interesting. I mean, there's no way you can compare Babe Ruth to anybody today. You know, people are saying, oh, well, we can see Mike Trout. Mike Trout would have murdered everybody back then.
1: And yeah, Babe Ruth absolutely.
0: wouldn't have been able to do it. And, and I mean, it's, there's no way you can legitimately say that because it's just completely different. Yeah. Clearly, nobody shaped the game of baseball like Babe Ruth did.
1: Yes. Yeah. And that, to cap it off in 1920, his slugging percentage was a
0: still a record. 847. Well, he hit 840. (laughs) He slugged 846 the next year. (laughs) Down year. Down year. (laughs)
1: Yeah. All right. Well, um, looking up uh, one famous Yankee had me looking up another famous Yankee this time, though. Aroldis Chapman, because he's always he's always hitting 100 miles an hour. And
0: not anymore.
1: (laughs) He was, but I just, it's just one real quick number. Of the 100 fastest pitchers recorded since 2008, he threw 81 of them. He also threw 2,115 more fastballs of at least 100 miles an hour than the next guy. 32.1% of his pitches are over 100 miles an hour. Now that's an arm.
0: Yeah. I remember when he was with Cincinnati. Didn't he throw the first pitch that was over 105 miles per hour or registered in baseball history?
1: Yeah, something like that, yeah. 105, that's ridiculous.
0: I wonder what would happen if they had to have him race a motorcycle to determine how quickly he threw. (laughs) Uh, So his his nicknames are listed as the Cuban Missile or just the Missile. I think, I'm pretty sure his teammates have another name, Another nickname for him. And I think it's like Captain Sweat or something like that. Because the (laughs) dude is just dripping sweat off the bill of his cap at all times. Like he works up a lather just like blinking. It's (laughs) the the dude sweats a lot. Sweaty dude, man. Yeah, he's got to (laughs) rehydrate a lot.
1: Well, another thing, just real quick. uh, We were talking about hitting 50 home runs. How about giving up 50 home runs in one season? Bert Blylevin, in 1986, over 36 starts, gave up 50 home runs, which is a single-season record. That's a .91 per game. The guy who led the league in home runs, uh, which was Jesse Barfield, only hit 40. So Blylevin <laughs> gave up 10 more than the leading hitter.
0: Blylevin should have won the home run title that year.
1: Yeah, it's never happened again since then, by the way. 2019 36 starts with a home run rate 48 points higher than the league average would have put by 11 at 67 home runs allowed.
0: Jeez.
1: <laughs> he gave up the long ball. He's a good pitcher though. He's a solid pitcher. I had nothing, uh, nothing wrong with Burp Blyle. He just, you know, would give up the long ball often.
0: Yeah. I mean, I remember him most with the twins at the end of his career where, you know, the Metrodome gave up a good, good deal of home runs especially before they put remember before they put the plexiglass in the outfield in left and center and then you had the baggy in right which was a short porch i mean that was just a place where you you gave up a lot of home runs so i can see how that (laughs) he gave up 46 the next year which also led the league but (laughs) that's amazing yeah i mean
1: the guy should be throwing bp
0: (laughs) well i think he was we got the best in your hitters yeah (laughs) Yeah. I wonder, that would be something to look up to see who hit the most home runs off him that year. That'd be intri- maybe that's maybe that's a trivia question coming up. Who hit the most home runs off of Burt Blylevin in 1986?
1: Yeah, I like it. I don't know, but I would like to know. So um, let's. Uh, I'll, I'll be tuning in to the <laughs> show to listen to see what that is.
0: <laughs> Let, let's just do a quick search here. I'm looking at his game log from that year. By game, I'm seeing two, three, three, two, three, two. Wow. (laughs) I mean, he gave up. Oh, he gave up five home runs in one game in September against Texas.
1: I've seen teams hit five home runs, but all against the same pitcher.
0: Yeah. uh, Ruben Sierra and Daryl Porter each hit two. Pete Incavelia (laughs) and Pete O'Brien. Uh, hit one. No, they weren't. I guess they weren't all off of him, but uh, there you go. Five home runs in one game. That's crazy. And not surprisingly, That's... he took the loss. Uh, Fourteen to one. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> he stuck around for uh, for five and a third innings, though. Yeah.
1: Well, you know, he
0: gave you. Yeah, a you don't a want to chew up the for the quality. You don't want to chew up the bullpen. You've already lost the game. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Mike Mason. Quality
1: start, but no Mike quality. Mason
0: started for the Rangers. He's like, oh, the sun shines oh, on, yeah. on every dog <laughs> every now and then.
1: Uh, I, I just have one more statistical anomaly. All right. Uh, or not an anomaly, but it's, it's just a weird stat. Steve Carlton is credited with 146 pickoffs in his career, and that is the all-time record, which is amazing. But Carlton also... Racked up the most career box because that move was so crazy and so close to, you know, balking. 90 career box, twice as many as any other pitcher.
0: And this was before he never had Bach and Bob Davidson calling his game. No. Well, he might have at the end I, of his I, career. I, I looked
1: it up. I looked it up. Bach and Bob uh, was behind the plate for only six of his games.
0: Yeah, but I mean, you don't have to be behind the plate to call balk.
1: Well, that's true. Who knows? Bach, Bach and Bob probably helped. Let's just put it that way. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, what Carlton pitched till eighty seven, eighty eight. I think Bob yeah, was around. No. When was the big balk year? It was eighty eight or eighty nine. I think wasn't it well,
1: when pitchers weren't coming to a full stop yeah. that year?
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, was,
1: crazy. Uh, one, yeah, it was like eighty five? I think or eighty six. All right, man. Well, those are those are the numbers I wanted to go over. And uh, just a bunch of weird, strange. Baseball is a, a very statistical-oriented game because the geeks that follow it, like you and I, love statistics. And so there are so many. We make up new ones all the time. So I just I thought I'd find a few weird ones and throw them out there.
0: Yeah, I mean, just you mentioned these names. And I just like to pull them up on Baseball Reference and just stare at them. <laughs> uh, I mean, see, hundred percent geek. Yeah, I mean, Carlton has got a lot of black ink here as well a lot of his numbers are sure are sure. Uh, pretty impressive but only only 69 average hall of famer as a pitcher is is 40 which i mean you almost doubled it so that's pretty darn good right. all right mark so let us leave the the dugout and let's uh, jump into our wax packs heroes wax? all right so uh we, we changed it up a little bit last week i kind of liked it one because i won which is a rarity <laughs> but uh, i've got some cards here that we don't have a beckett's that they're in and uh, today we're actually 1993 stadium club from tops a couple of packs and nice uh, cards yeah these are pretty cards uh i remember i haven't opened these packs yet but i know what they look like i've got plenty of stadium clubs they're really Uh, You said it off, Mike, uh, really tops answer to upper deck and when cards really started to get really nice. So we're going to play a little bit different again this week. We're going to use war for the year of which these cards are, which is 1993. We're going to use baseball reference war for batters It's just offensive war, and then pitchers is, is overall war. Got a couple of extra rules, though. If you are a Hall of Famer, you're going to get an extra uh essentially 0.05 war if you are (laughs) uh if you are wearing real stirrups you're gonna get an extra 0.01 i'm just gonna refer to these in in, as whole numbers here just for the sake of brevity if you are wearing two and one stirrups though we're gonna minus uh one point off of you because that's not a good look and it brings your team down and causes them to lose a game each year uh over replacement Next, if you are wearing glasses of any sort, you get an extra point. If you are wearing sweatbands with your caricature, your jersey number, or a McDonald's logo, again, (laughs) don't think that's ever going to happen again, you get an extra point. If, however, though, you are wearing high tops and uh, your pants are pulled up, that's going to be a minus one point. And if you're wearing 2 and ones when that happens, that's going to be a minus two points because that... Teams hate that. That's just, you're in the it's hole. Ugly. Before the season starts, you're in the hole 0-2, essentially. Not not yep, good.
1: Couldn't agree more.
0: <laughs> All right. So, Mark, during, under these kind of new rules, last week I came up with my first victory in a while. You lead 7-4 to four right now. I've got two packs here. One is a Series 2, one is a Series 3. I'm going to let you choose which one you would like.
1: Um, I would like the Series 2.
0: All right. I do not know who is in each of these two versus three. So we're just going blind here. Yeah, me neither. So I'm going to let you go first because that's the way we usually do it. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and open this tightly sealed pack. I'll let you guess what that means. (laughs) It is glued to the back card. So, yeah. All right. My God, these are so pretty. They're so glossy and so pretty. Yeah. So your first card is a San Francisco Giant. It is Mike Benjamin. So
1: my first card is someone I don't remember at all.
0: Uh, apparently. Nice. Yeah, Mike Benjamin actually played for 13 years in the big leagues. Most of it with the Giants. Know. Seven years. Uh, huh. he, really a utility infielder. He, he okay. pretty much played everywhere. Uh, his war for this year was minus 0.1, though. Uh, but you're going to like Oops. it because he's got sunglasses on here and okay. he's got real strips. So you're actually going to get one, essentially nice. one cent there. This is when people stopped or players stopped wearing the flip downs and they were wearing the uh, were they gargoyle. Was that what they were called? Kind of the wraparound yeah. things. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. All right. You're going to enjoy this card uh, because of who it is. It is here with the Houston Astros. It is Luis Gonzalez. Uh, Luis going, going, Gonzalez. Came up with the Astros. Of course, I know him best, I think, with the Diamondbacks. I mean, he is. Yeah. I think he's one of the most popular Diamondbacks of all time. Obviously, on the 2001 World Series team with the Diamondbacks as well. Gonzo, in 1993, had a good year. A 28 war so that equates wow. to 28 cents and
1: they see that he's even still doing good for me
0: yeah that's a strong strong card there nice job yeah by gonzo next uh one of the devos <laughs> that we like to joke about <laughs> but uh this one dev is in his first name it's devon white our favorite jamaican
1: our favorite devo yeah fantastic player great center fielder he could hit, he had a little bit of power, he could run. He
0: was solid. Great defensively. Yeah, absolutely. Seven-time Gold Glove winner. Three World Series, twice with Toronto, and then he was on that 97 Florida team as well. Oh, wow. And uh, if you thought Gonzo had a good year, Devo, an all-star in 93, had a 4.7 war. <laughs> what?
1: Oh, my Lord, that's amazing.
0: Yeah, uh, he is a fan of the two and ones here so that will bring that down ah. to, to 4.6 which equates to 46 cents but that's you, you you can't hate that that'll bring you up to 75 cents no. after like three cards so I, <laughs> yeah. these cards are juiced that's what it is this that's new it. this new that's way it. of doing it is juicing oh boy I liked this guy he came up with the Braves he was on those first Braves teams. That uh, you know went to the World Series when I was in college, Brian Hunter.
1: I remember Brian Hunter. Sure,
0: I don't. Is this did he is he the one that went by Brian L Hunter or is that the other one? There were two Brian Hunters at the same time yeah. in the big leagues.
1: I actually don't remember which was which, but there was a Brian L. Yeah. Uh,
0: let's see. I this Brian Hunter. Uh, I'm looking for it. Nope. This is Brian Raynald Hunter. <laughs> Reynolds. Okay, Noel. No, no there uh, in 93. Wow. A minus 1.2 war. That's surprising. Oh. he does have a mustache. Though, so okay. that that'll save you a little bit. That'll only be a minus 11. Bring you down to 64 cents. Next pitcher for the twins. We were talking about pins, pins, twitchers, uh, otherwise known as Twins <laughs> Pitchers, it is Mark Guthrie. Mark Guthrie, yeah. I remember him too. Lefty, right? Lefty or righty? I thought he was a lefty. Yeah, but then you said right, and I was just busy ah, looking at I got gotcha. you. So, uh, you are correct. He throws left, or threw left.
1: Yeah. Pretty good pitcher, if I remember right. I remember facing him in Strat. Well, in
0: uh, 1993, he was a point .2 war player. He pitched for well, 15 years. Wow. That's a... Uh, that's a hefty career right there. Well, he was a lefty. We, we joke about that. Next, I have not heard of this guy. Takes a great picture on a glossy stadium club card. It is for the Rangers' Donald Harris.
1: Yeah, I'm drawing a blank on that one.
0: Let's uh, let's explore Donald Harris, shall we? He pitched. Uh, he pitched. He played for a couple of years. Three years, all with Texas. And did not play a whole lot. Uh, in 93, his war, though, was a minus 0.3. Uh, he does have real stirrups, though, so that you only take a two-cent hit on that one to bring you to 64. Next, this guy is a great follow on Twitter. He is a pitcher for here with the Atlanta Braves. It is Starvin' Marvin, Marvin Freeman.
1: Um, Yeah, Marvin Freeman. Um, I remember him as a Brave, mostly.
0: Brave, I remember uh, just because I, well, I remember him. uh, But uh, I also see him on Twitter a lot. He was also with the Rockies uh, and came up with the Phillies. I Ah. guess he pitched with the White Sox. One game his final year. But uh, he loves to post the video of his uh, one career home run, which is fun to watch (laughs) (laughs) because he pimped it. That's great. For somebody that only hit one home run, he pimped the heck out of that home run trot. Uh, What was his one shot? Yeah, 93. Didn't have a great year. Minus .3 in war. I am going to say these are two and ones, but I I just don't know. I think I'm going to do you a favor and say I cannot tell on that. I am fairly certain they're two and ones, but I can't tell. So instead of a minus four, we're just going to do a minus three. That works for me. Next pitcher for the Philadelphia Phillies, Joe Millet. or maybe wow, Millet. I, if he's, I love his pronunciations as as if they're French.
1: As uh, Monty Python would say, it's pronounced throat warbler mangrove. <laughs> I don't
0: <laughs> don't get it. That okay?
1: That uh, <laughs> yeah, was name pronunciations kind of thing. Um. Anyway, no, I don't know who that is, dude.
0: Well, he had a .1 war in 1993. He only played for two years. In 1993, he only appeared in 10 games, but he still had a positive war. Hmm. While hitting 200, so that's kind of weird. Well, yeah, for sure. Maybe he was really good defensively. Uh, Let's see, that will, uh, nothing else of value, so that'll get you one cent. You're at 62 cents. Next pitcher for the Cubs, it is Bob Scanlon.
1: I remember Bob Scanlon. I don't know a lot about him.
0: Uh, Bob Scanlon pitched for nine years in the big leagues, three of it with the Cubs, three with the Brewers, and then a slew of other teams. 93, he looks like he's probably about league average let's see what his war was his war was well minus point eight so quite a bit below league average he is wearing real stirrups though one one might be fooled into thinking they're two and ones but they that stripe is so thin that i know that it's a real stirrup but you're going the wrong way here (laughs) you're 10 to 55 cents what's going on here Okay, here we go. Oh, man, I loved this guy. I I love this guy throughout his whole career. He had some lapses in concentration, but I remember he was always great with the fans, uh, both in Atlanta and then especially when he went to San Diego. It's Ryan Klesko. Oh,
1: man, yeah. Klesko was solid, and you're right. He was um, was very well known for being a gregarious, uh, friendly guy.
0: Yeah, I remember he used to play catch with fans during BP in the stands. Sure. But I remember when he came up, he he could mash. And I mean, looking at his career numbers, 278 home runs in 16 years. Any year that he played more than 100 games, he had double digits in home runs in all but two. Nice. Nice. Came in third in rookie of the year voting as well. And in 1993, he had a .4 war. Uh, He's got real stirrups on here in the picture as well, so that'll get you five cents and bring you back up to sixty. Here's your first Hall of Famer. Yay! You're gonna love this guy. You're gonna. This is probably one of your top three Hall of Famers. Oh, really? For you? So take take two guesses. (laughs) Um.
1: Well, I'm thinking it's not Nolan Ryan. Correct. Craig Biggio.
0: <laughs> I was thinking more along the lines of the only two Mariners that are in the Hall of Fame. It's Gar, <laughs> Edgar Martinez. Uh, the great pure hitter, man. There's a guy that just a professional hitter. Third baseman, Edgar Martinez. Third baseman, huh? Yeah, they haven't
1: figured that out quite yet.
0: Now, you know, he played. So he came up in 87. He was still playing some third base in 97. Hmm. And then from there, he played some first in DH. And, and look at this. His final year of 2004, he played a game, at least one game at third base. Huh. Let's see if we can quickly find it. It was his second to last game, uh, October 2nd, 4-10 huh. to 10 loss to the Rangers he started his DH and then played third. Nice. Let's see. in In uh, one thousand, nine hundred and ninety three, he had a WAR of zero point five. He is definitely not wearing rail stirrups. Unfortunately for you, Edgar. Uh. Well, that'll get you. That'll get you four points. So you're at sixty four with two cards left. Here is, uh, I believe. Who did, uh, here it is, it's Eric Karros with the Dodgers. Who did he come up with? Yeah. Do you remember? I
1: thought Karros came up with the Dodgers.
0: Am I but... thinking of Paul Kinerko that came up with somebody else? I must be. Boy. Yeah. Kinerko
1: came up with the White Sox, I think.
0: No, I don't think he did. No? I, let, let's, let's, I, I, I'm pretty sure Kinerko came up with the Dodgers, actually. That's my, yeah, he came up with the Dodgers was traded midway huh, through his that. second season. That's who huh. I was getting confused with. But Keros did come up with the Dodgers, played 12 years with L.A., then one year with the Cubs, and then finished up, as a lot of guys do, with the A's for one unforgettable year. One year for the A's is kind of a rite of passage. Mike Piazza, I'm looking at you. Yeah. Nomar Garcia There yeah. Frank Thomas came back twice. But uh, <laughs> 1993... Karos, despite winning Rookie of the Year the year before, did not have a great season and had a war of minus 0.2. Oof. So that's going to take you down to 62. And your final card is uh, a guy that we had last week and we discussed. (laughs) Last week, though, he was in a Pirates uniform. Here he is in a Cubs uniform. It's Steve Bouchel.
1: Steve Bouchel, yes. Uh, Third baseman. Solid. Yep. Good ball player.
0: Uh, let's see. Steve Bouchel in 1993 is near the end of his career, but he had a 2.2 war. Wow. Nice. Oh, so, boy. Yeah, that helps you out. That'll bump you up to 84. Nice. Not, I don't know. We both scored over a dollar last week, so uh, I'm not sure. Yeah. You you only had one Hall of Famer in that, but it was a big one. Right. All right, so you've got a score of 84 cents. And uh let's uh, open up this jeez I, I do you have a jackhammer or something <laughs> I have a chisel you uh, we might that? need that yeah this is jeez re- <laughs> oh, I think I've just destroyed the card in the back
1: <laughs> is it glued on
0: just about just about yeah. All right, let me turn all these cards the right way. They they're weird. They're, these cards are all half of them are one way, half or the other. Some are flipped and all this stuff. So, huh. all right, let's jump right into it. This guy I remember with the Rangers, but I believe he came up with the Brewers as he is here. He had some pop. It's Kevin Reimer.
1: Yeah, Kevin Reimer. I remember that uh, that guy. He was. Um, I remember him. I think as a Ranger, and he did have. Uh, he could hit home runs every once in a while.
0: Yeah, so I guess he came up with the Rangers. This is apparently his last year in 93 he spent with the Brewers. And he did have some good power years his last two years with the Rangers. And then not a bad with his final year here. Uh, but it does equate to a minus 0.2 ERA. He's got something on his sweatbands. Nope, just says Easton. I thought it might be his jersey number. but uh, So I'm in the hole. Oh, I, I'm in the hole two cents to start out with. <laughs> I think uh, I think Easton's is his middle name. Oh. So that's his name <laughs> on his gloves. <laughs> well, it's not a caricature, his jersey number or McDonald's logo. So it doesn't count. OK, next is Scott Fletcher. Here he is with the Boston Red Sox. I remember Scott Fletcher with the Rangers as well.
1: Yeah, I, I was just going to say I remember Fletcher as a as a Ranger.
0: Yeah. So Scott Fletcher. Wow. Fifteen years in the big leagues for Scott wow. Fletcher. And let's see, never won a World Series, never led the league in any category, was not an all-star, uh, pretty much the epitome of an average player, uh, except for this year where he had a 2.9 war. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> I am not kidding you. So minus, uh, let's see. Oh, he's got real stirrups on, too. So that's oh, a, a uh, essentially a 30-cent card. And will bump me up to 28 cents. Thank you, Scott Fletcher.
1: Man, no kidding.
0: All right. Here is, I believe, one of the original Florida Marlins. I know him best as a closer for the California Angels. It's Brian Harvey.
1: Yeah, I, I, Brian Harvey. Good pitcher. Um, how He was, on, he was
0: uh, on the first year of the Marlins. I thought he was taken in the expansion draft. It's highly possible. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So he was on California from 87 through 92. And then in 93, 94, 95, he was on the Marlins. Drafted by the Marlins as the 20th pick in the expansion draft. Ah, there you go. The father of Hunter Harvey. Who is, uh, looks like he just made his major league debut this last season. Went 0-2 in 10 games for the Baltimore Orioles. Oh. Huh.
1: Well, there you have it.
0: Yeah. So, Brian Harvey, let's see, in 1993, he had a 4.0 ERA, or a war ERA. What? <laughs> 4.0 war. Oh, man. Went 1-5, but he saved 45 games.
1: Oh, that's why. Okay.
0: Yeah, had a it was an all star had a good year. Let's see, he is we're, we're at the point because these are kind of older card or younger cards, where players are wearing their pants down so low you can't see their stirrups.
1: Right, the long pants that yeah. came all the way down to the shoes were uh, been yeah. very popular. Since then.
0: Now he's got he always had a good mustache. I, I'm just gonna give myself one cent on the mustache. I don't want to overdo it. So that's a forty one cent card for me. Forty-one. Jeez. I'm getting confused saying cent, but that's the way I'm going to stick with it. So that'll bring me to sixty-nine cents. Next, Chico. That's all I'm going to say.
1: Chico Asuela. No. Baseball <laughs> has been a very, very good to me.
0: <laughs> this Chico, you probably best know him from the Pittsburgh Pirates. No, Jose Lean. Uh, I'm drawing. I'm drawing. Oh, Jose Lean Yes, Chico. Yep. Oh.
1: Well, learn something every day. Jose Wien, I, I, I like that
0: guy. So in, uh, well, you're going to like him even more, because in 93, he had a minus 1.4 war. Yeah, boy. <laughs> uh, but he does have some real stirrups on, so that's uh, going to be a minus 13 for me. I'm going the wrong way now, too. Uh, that'll bring you down to 56. The cousin of Onyx Concepcion. Hmm. Now, I didn't know that. I remember that name, Onyx Concepcion just because I remember his card. I never saw him play, but hmm. Hmm. interesting.
1: Yeah. It doesn't sound familiar. Interesting. All
0: right. Next. I remember this guy first baseman for the Red Sox because he was always pear shaped. Carlos Quintana. <laughs> yes.
1: I remember Quintana, man. My, my brother collected his cards.
0: Somebody um, collected Carlos Quintana cards other than yes. Carlos Quintana's mom. Yes. That's weird. my brother, who I think
1: is related to him somehow. I'm not sure. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, let's
0: see. In 1993, he had not played in a year and a half at this point, and his WAR was a minus 1.4. It was his last <laughs> wow. year, too. He actually had a pretty short career, only five years. I, I remember him being a lot better than he was. 90 and 91, he played in 149 games both years, hit 287, 295, didn't have much power yeah uh, but yeah not much mm. but uh he's got real stirrups so i'm only gonna minus 13 cents i i'm going the wrong way now i'm down to 43 Man, cents. i guess oh but i got a hall of famer uh. he's in the hall of fame that's all that counts is he's in the hall of fame here he is with the baltimore orioles it is a man who played for the White Sox twice? Once after they had retired his number, it's Harold Baines.
1: Harold Baines, you know, we we kind of we kind of talk about him like you know, well, he doesn't really belong in the Hall of Fame, but I mean, the guy was a scary hitter with
0: a lot of power. You know, twenty two years in the big leagues, amazing. Yeah,
1: yeah, he could hit, man.
0: Two eighty nine lifetime batting average, six time All Star. And in 93, he had a 2.6 war, which is good.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He has, looks like he's got some two and ones, but he's also got a mustache because he always wore that beard mustache. But he is a Hall of Famer. So that is going to be a 31 cent card for me. I, I, I needed that. It'll bring me up to 74 yeah. cents. Next, we've talked about this guy uh, last week. With his uh, kicking stat on Baseball Reference, here he is with the Yankees, Paul O'Neill.
1: Yes, yes, Paul O'Neill. Yankees and Reds, right? Did you play for anyone else?
0: Uh, I don't believe he did. Let me uh, see here. Paul O'Neill played uh, nine years for the Yankees, eight years for the Reds to start out his career. 93, 3.7 war. I'll take that all day. Dude could hit yeah, he's got. No he's got two and ones going on there, so it's only going to give me thirty six cents. But that's uh, that. That might have put me over the top. I'm at a dollar ten now. Oh, yeah. It's you're going to need me to get who some. Had
1: the, who had the worst war in '93? Was it Joe
0: Shobotnik? Well, he had feet of cement, so it might have been. <laughs> Next, okay. we've got the guy. Speaking of original Marlins, well, this is this makes sense because this is 93, a 93 set. So this is the first year with Marlins in Jersey. This guy pitched the first game in Marlins franchise history. Probably topped out at about 72 miles per hour that day Uh and was Uh 147 years old. Yes, I know who it is. (laughs) It's Charlie Hoff. The only the one and only Charlie
1: Huff pitched until he was uh, in his 90s, I think. (laughs) (laughs)
0: I think he is still pitching for uh, Ruben Sierra down in uh, Mexico. Or the, I don't know, Ruben uh, Sierra is in the uh, Dominican League this year.
1: Okay. Well, he may be. He's throwing that knuckleball.
0: Well, no, he is. He's a coach down there, remember? Well, Ruben Sierra is. 93, not a good year for Mr. Huff. Minus .1 war. He does have some really big, real stirrups, though. So that's going to even me out there. But Charlie Huff, 25 years, just like Jamie Moyer, 25 years. Wow. Yeah. He, I mean,
1: it wasn't that tough on his arm. He was a knuckleballer, yeah. so he didn't throw super hard, you know, and he, he didn't have the greatest numbers, but he, they weren't bad either. He was always a reliable 200 inning guy.
0: If I told you that he won 216 games, would you believe me? Uh, well, I guess I will now. Yeah. Yeah. Final record two sixteen and two sixteen with sixty one saves. What? So apparently okay. in seventy six and seventy seven, when he was with the Dodgers, he saved eighteen and twenty two games.
1: No kidding. Who knew that?
0: Well, we certainly didn't. I bet some of no. our listeners probably are like, "These guys are idiots." He he closed mm-hmm. a couple of years with the Dodgers, but huh. Uh, let's see. So what did I say in uh, this year? He did. Oh, I think he was he was even because he had a minus one war, but he had a he's got real stirrups. All right. Next, a guy who uh, has the same last name as a very good reliever for the Dodgers, uh, but they pronounce them completely different. Here he is for the Royals. We know him mainly with the Twins. Greg Gagne.
1: Yeah. Shortstop. Solid. uh all the way around, good defensive, had a little bit of pop. For some reason, and I remember this, he, for some reason a right-handed hitter, he couldn't hit lefties very well.
0: <laughs> well, I, want, I just want some sort of credit for not calling him Greg Gagne, like I always do. <laughs> yeah, good job, man.
1: You, you remembered.
0: <laughs> well, he's got a 2.4 war this year. He's got two and ones, though, so that'll only get me 23, but that brings me up to 133. Next, Mitch Webster with the Dodgers.
1: Mitch Webster. Boy, I, I remember. I can even see the Webster on a Dodgers uniform, but I can't remember anything I about the guy. I think he played
0: for the Expos at one point. Yep, he played for the Expos for four years in his career. That's where I, I remember that name, Mitch Webster. On, and just like you said, on the back of his jersey, I remember that. Yeah. Not a good year in 93. Minus 0. .6 WAR hmm and he's got still not gonna knock you so that's a minus seven yeah i'm not i'm not super worried at this point uh that'll knock me down to 126 with uh four cards left this guy i think he was rookie of the year for the phillies at shortstop it is kevin stalker
1: wow i remember that guy but man not much i think he was rookie of the year
0: No, he wasn't. He came in sixth, but this was his rookie season. But that's clearly what I was thinking. (laughs) He went to UW, University of Washington, and he's from Spokane, which maybe that's what I remember most about him. Because this, I would have, I would have, yeah, I was collecting cards big time while I was in school at Wazoo at this point, and Kevin Stalker would have been right up our alley there with that. Yeah, Um, a two point three war though, and he's got real stirrups, so. I will take Sheesh. that, and it'll bring me up to a buck fifty. Next, uh, we've got a horizontal card. This is a really nice looking card. It's Doug Disenzo getting a lead off of first base.
1: Hmm. Stadium Club always has the best pictures.
0: Well, except for uh, upper deck.
1: Well, we could we could go back and forth on that one.
0: That <laughs> you disagree? All right, Doug Disenzo. Uh, yeah. I, I thought I remember Doug Disenzo playing for the. Uh, for the Orioles, but only the Cubs and the Rangers. So I guess in one short year with the Padres. Hmm, I don't recall a lot, but. No, he actually didn't play that long. Seven years, I say not that long, seven years. But he didn't, he wasn't a, he was a starter three of those. Minus 0.4 war, but he does have real stirrups. So that'll just be a minus point three. Bring me to 147, two cards left. I'll have to put this one aside to send to our buddy that collects Tim Wallach cards.
1: Oh, yes. Yes, nothing but Tim Wallach. Tim Wallach, you know, I say it every time. It's fantastic. Third baseman that could hit.
0: 17 years in the big leagues, most of it with Montreal. Here he is with the Dodgers here. He spent four years there. 1993, an off year for Tim. Minus .5 war. Hmm. The stadium club logo and his name go right over the stirrups. Uh, so, I can't <laughs> see. So, that's just going to be a minus four cents for me there. But my final card is going to help me out a little bit more. It's another Hall of Famer. It's of the course. big hurt. Nice. Frank Thomas. Frank
1: Thomas, man. <clears throat> what can you say about him that hasn't been said? You know, he's just a big, strong, amazing power hitter. You know?
0: Do, do you, have you ever heard of anybody that doesn't like Frank Thomas?
1: no i don't think i have i think it's a rule you have to
0: yeah i mean he was just he smiled a lot he was a big guy that looked like he was just he looked yeah. like he was having fun a really good ball player never in any trouble yeah you know just, if there was a yeah. fight you certainly wouldn't want to get near him <laughs> that no dude nope. was huge so 7.1 war this year. Not wow. surpri- I mean not surprising. It's Frank Thomas. He was the MVP Still. this year. First of back-to-back <laughs> oh, MVPs. Hit 317, uh 426 on base and slugged 607. Hit 41 home runs, 128 ribs. Uh I, I mean, yeah, that doesn't that doesn't surprise me that that's <laughs> that That's th- uh, that large Those are a- Hall of
1: Fame and superstar numbers right there.
0: So altogether that is a 7.1 war a hall of famer and real stirrups and a mustache Uh, no no mustache (laughs) so i have kind of lost i'm just gonna give myself 76 it doesn't matter i won yes you did i really am digging these new rules because i've now won two in a row so there you go there is another episode of wax packs heroes i i am now only trailing by two it is seven to five in mark's favor
1: Congrats, man. I uh I couldn't get the guys playing very well right there.
0: No, I think my two Hall of Famers really kind of did you in. There. Yeah, that's for sure. But uh, all right, well let's start to wrap up the show. We'd like to thank everybody as usual. We really do appreciate you listening every week. If you want to follow us on social media, we can be found at two strike noise. That is at TWO Strike Noise on both Twitter and Instagram you can also search for us on YouTube and find us mark if they want to get a hold of us via email how do they do that
1: the electronic mail address is to strike noise spell it out Two strike noise at gmail.com
0: we will uh, we'll be back again we're we're you know we are really closing in on a hundred shows and I think we need to do something special I don't know I have no idea what it would be but we need to do yeah. something special for our hundredth show so
1: I think so. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Maybe we just sit around and talk about Ricky Henderson and Nolan Ryan (laughs) again.
1: I think we've done enough of that. (laughs) Really?
0: All right. Well, until we get to that point, uh, again, thank you very much. And we will see you next week on another episode of Two Strike Noise. Thank you. God bless you. Have a great day.